0: 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. So I think one of the challenges is is that entrepreneurs start their business where their passion is. They start where their expertise is, where their experience is. But rarely is that expertise in leading people. Mm -hmm. And so they start off with what they know really well. They start off with what they can do really well, but as they either expand in their service offering or expand in the number of people that they're dealing with, they have to hire others. So the real gap comes into how do you engage with others to join your team, to have your company values, your company culture, uh, and how do you create an environment where those people are motivated to do their best work for you where they feel rewarded and fairly compensated, but also in a way that is affordable, that from an entrepreneur perspective, you can still manage to, to be able to invest in the company and to grow. And in order to have you know, people that are cared for, they feel valued as people, they, you know, they're able to practice wellness, they're able to address all the other aspects in their life and come to work and be amazing employees. That's the hard part, is how do you create that environment? How do you have those practices? and how do you attract the right people to your business?
1: Mm, your people or their people? So I'm you are helping them their with people. their people yeah, or you are helping people. them to, to find new people as well? Exactly, uh-huh.
0: exactly. So as it, that could be through a recruitment strategy, but uh-huh, some okay. of it, that before that of how do you decide which people you need? Of course. Right? In terms of what skill gaps are there because of, you know, entrepreneurs are amazing people, but none of us have skills in every single area. So where are your strengths as an entrepreneur? And where are there uh, places where you can bring in somebody to help offset, you know, maybe you're not as good at financial planning. Maybe you're not as good at sales or marketing, um, wherever you have gaps, how do you address what gaps you need to close? Which people would have those skills and what's the right personality traits and the right uh, you know, academic preparation or experience background to come to join your team in a way that is going to be cohesive and to continue the culture that you're establishing and not uh, to create healthy conflict in terms of fresh ideas and uh, fresh approaches, but mm-hmm. not uh, to take away and create a negative culture.
1: So when you say com- company culture, what is the process?
0: So it really stems from a lot of conversation. I mean, of course we can do a basic audit in terms of, do you have the right policies and procedures and all those you know paper exercise? But really, the value comes from sitting down and speaking to leaders around what are their pain points? You know, Mm -hmm. what is it you want to do that you're struggling to do? Is it attracting the right people? Is it motivating the people that you have? Is it a a retention issue where people are leaving to go to Mm -hmm. your competitors? They're paying more. Is it a, you know, hybrid versus virtual work environment? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it how do you manage in a virtual world? We really want to understand what are the pain points that that business leader is feeling, stopping them from growth. So what are the barriers that the entrepreneur feels from going from where they are today to where they want to be? And then how can we help them from a people perspective of, you know, either come up with policies and practices or helping them lead in a different way to get more out of their people?
1: And what kind of differences do you see before and after the pandemic regarding hybrid versus uh, virtual environment?
0: Oh, I love this question. So, you know, before the pandemic, most people had this idea in their head that people who work from home uh, aren't successful. They don't uh, work as hard. Uh, if we don't see them working, they're not working. Uh, and it, it's not possible, right? Uh Virtual work was really looked at as a special privilege. You can work from home because of some other situation that's going on. Then the pandemic hit and suddenly all of us were virtual. And a lot of us began to realize I can actually be more effective virtually. Uh, Where it's been a big shift is the scheduling of days, right? When we are all in the same office, we have to be there at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we've gone along with this convention of the workday is nine to five or what have you. Uh, And everybody has to start at the same time and take breaks at the same time and work until the same time, because that's what we've always done. When you're in a virtual environment, we really need to be conscious about what do we need to be together for and what can we do independently? Mm -hmm. So as an entrepreneur, if you were, you know, doing planning or you're coming up with an idea or anything that's really inside your head, there is no need to be in a place in the same place as others at the same time. Mm -hmm right? It's really about where's the best environment for you to focus. The same Mm. is true for your staff. If your staff is working on uh, work that has to be created before it gets input from another party, it doesn't matter where that person is doing the work. It's about how do we let them do the work in the environment that is going to make them most productive, right? That's going to save you money. If I can be in an environment where I can do the work in two hours, instead of being in an environment where it's going to take me six hours, that's more effective for everybody. Where the challenge comes in in virtual work is how do you decide what can be done independently and what needs sort of group Mm. input. Maybe people can create a draft for a meeting ahead of time, circulate the draft, we could all review it on our own time but then we have to have the meeting to discuss. We don't wanna lose those uh, diverse opinions. We wanna really make sure that there's space for discussion and dialogue. And in the virtual world, that needs to be intentional. We're not going to bump into each other, right? We've taken for granted that in an in-person work environment, I agree, a lot of the work was done sort of accidentally, that you bumped into somebody in the cafeteria, you bumped into somebody at the water cooler, that old expression. Um, It could happen on an ad hoc basis. That doesn't happen in the virtual world. In the virtual world, it needs to be conscious. So Mm -hmm. how can I deliberately find times to discuss certain issues with the people that they need to be discussed? So I have to switch my mind frame. So the big thing companies need to do is change their workplace practices. We can't take in-person practices and apply them to the virtual world. They won't work the same way. We have to think about what's the virtual world, how does it impact our practices, and how do we need to change? That's the first step is recognizing that need for change. And that if we're gonna be working virtually, I need to force connections between my colleagues, between my work environment, between other departments, so that we don't end up being a bunch of individuals. Not that individuals don't do great things, but we're stronger as a team. Mm -hmm. So I need to separate the time of like, here's all the examples and the times that people can do their own thing when it works for them. And here's some collective times where we have to come together to discuss to iterate, to challenge each other as ideas. And that's actually the hardest part of virtual work. One of the other things the virtual experience of the pandemic taught us was all the things we can automate to save us time. And it's given entrepreneurs an opportunity to examine where is my energy best spent in my business? And where is it best for me to have somebody else do this? Uh, and in the virtual world, outsourcing became a fresh idea. Outsourcing mm-hmm. existed for a long time, but we got to look at it in a different way. So finances is a great example of... Do I need to have a full-time bookkeeper, full-time accountant on my staff? Or could I, you know, participate in some sort of, you know, resource sharing or outsourced arrangement where I pay by the hour for the time that I need, but not the time I don't need. And so I could reach into these uh, organizations that, um, digitize and that automate the back office. So I can have somebody do my bookkeeping. I can have somebody doing my accounting. I can have somebody doing my recruiting. I can have somebody doing my HR administration, my benefits administration, all of those tasks that fall to me as an entrepreneur and as a leader, but maybe aren't the best use of my time. So it can still be done with the vision of the entrepreneur to the standard of the entrepreneur, but the work is actually done by a third party mm-hmm. and that can all be digital. So the entrepreneur doesn't need to sit down, you know, on a mm-hmm. daily basis with anybody. It doesn't need to be at a specific time. Uh, and it can just be set up uh, with a reporting frequency that works for the entrepreneur. I want to see it monthly. I want to see it quarterly. Like, how it works for that entrepreneur and everything else that's not a valued added task for that entrepreneur can be automated and handed off to a third party for a fraction of the cost of someone doing it full-time because it may not be a full-time job, mm-hmm. particularly as organizations are growing. If you're a small you know, five to seven person company, investing in you know, a high level HR resource is not a good use of your money. Uh, But if you could get that person on a portion basis where I'm going to get a couple hours a month from that person, that can be a great investment that allows you to grow as a company, take advantage of that advice, but not be paying for it for 40 hours a week. One of the biggest challenges is for entrepreneurs to be able to let go. And again, you're not letting go of the final product, but you are letting go of the day to day control. Entrepreneurs are incredibly talented, driven, hardworking people. But if you spread yourself too thin, you won't be as effective as you will be if you can focus on what it is you do really well. So, you know, if you happen to be an entrepreneur in an area of financial services, sure, maybe it doesn't make sense to outsource your bookkeeping. I'd still suggest it's probably not the best use of your time, even though you have the expertise. Um, But if it's not your area of expertise, the amount of time that it would take you to invest to do your day-to-day bookkeeping is far more than the amount of time it would take an expert bookkeeper to do. Your time as an entrepreneur is valuable. Don't forget to assign a cost to your time. And every time you are spending your time on something that doesn't drive and add value and grow the business, you are adding a cost to your operations. So instead of looking at it as I can do it for free or I'd have to pay somebody else, you know, a small hourly rate to do it. Uh, look at that hourly rate of all the time and 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 valuable energy that it saves you, and you can then put that towards something that helps grow the business. So I've mm-hmm. picked ones that are the obvious choices. There's many many others out there, but day to day bookkeeping, even a, a virtual CFO helping you do your you know annual reports, tax filings, as well as projections and. Uh, you know, forecasts for the future can be incredibly valuable in time, uh, and time-saving, allowing that entrepreneur to invest in the areas uh, that will help the business grow. Recruitment is another one. of It takes a lot of time to source talent, to post jobs, to sort through all the resumes that come in and pick the five top. So it's not that as an entrepreneur, you have to remove yourself from the selection process. Absolutely, you can still uh, interview top candidates. Have somebody else narrow it down from the 500 people that have applied to the two or three that you're going to interview. Um, You know, have somebody screen them, have somebody verify it, have somebody else do the references, have somebody else negotiate salary, come up with a legal contract, all of those things that don't add value for the entrepreneur. Uh, The entrepreneurs set the tone, they set the direction. So it's not that these people are, or these services are running off without, uh, you know, and however they want to do it. Like entrepreneurs say, this is how I want it done. Uh, this is the expectations that I have and hold those contractors accountable to deliver and save mm. you that
1: time. Is the startup phase a good phase or what kind of steps do we need to do before starting using that kind of services?
0: So, you know, I think there's a, a price point uh, for every service. So obviously, if you're in true startup, um, you know, you probably might need a bookkeeper, but maybe you don't need them monthly. Maybe you need them quarterly. Uh-huh. So. you're know you going to have to do some of it yourself because we all know startup, you are so strapped for cash. It's really hard to engage with other services. But I would say as soon as you have a bit of breathing room, that's the time to invest in a service like this. Because again, the amount of time it is taking you to do it is taking you away from all of those other money generating sources. uh, And it's actually, you're paying it as a cost, you're paying it from your time, and you're losing the revenue. So you really want it to be something that you set up early and it If it's set up from the beginning and done right from the beginning, you don't have to pay for a cleanup. You don't have to pay for somebody to correct, you know, several months of reconciliations that are incorrect. They're just verifying things and keeping you on track. It can be that expert advice of, hey, did you know you could also do this? Did you know you could also uh, do that? That someone else who has expertise in an area that may not be part of the entrepreneur's expertise that they can access. So you're paying for it on an hourly basis. Normally, sometimes it's a bit of a different arrangement, but you're accessing decades of experience. Uh, you're not just reaching out to what's the cheapest employee that I can hire who may not have a lot of experience. Instead, you're breaking down the support, the expertise and the services on an hourly basis. And you are accessing those decades of experience of exp- and knowledge uh, just on a very fractional basis.
1: Business Sherpa Group in five years.
0: Oh, I think an enormously successful company. We've seen it grow. Uh, We've more than doubled during the pandemic. It's been incredibly helpful for us. Uh, You know what? I'm not saying that the pandemic wasn't hard. Uh, It was difficult for a lot of people, but it really showed the power of investing in your people digitizing your workplace and really automating your back office and as that's the area that business sherpa group specializes in uh, it was very fortuitous for us in a lot of ways it also helped us to practice the advice that we give we've gone completely virtual ourselves we no longer have a physical office all of our resources are uh, virtual and we've expanded coast to coast to coast in canada and it's really been an amazing opportunity and we'd love to share it with others if you'd like to find out more please visit us on our website at business we're also on uh, linkedin and instagram and youtube and we'd love to connect 21st century entrepreneurship with martin piskarik